Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining us today is Dan Harriman, a registered principal of Texas-based Harriman Financial, president of Independent Financial Professionals, and founder and CEO of Money Edge. Whew, that's a lot. Thanks for joining me, Dan. Thank you, Amy. It's my pleasure, and I thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So I am fascinated to hear your story. I understand you graduated from college with a degree in chemical engineering and began your career as something called a petroleum engineer, which I'm not going to pretend to totally understand. So I'm looking forward to hearing it. But can you share with our listeners, how did your journey go and what led you to go from a petroleum engineer to considering this career in financial services that you've built? Okay. Well, well, great. First of all, I do want to compliment you for doing these podcasts after listening to several of the prior guests on your program. I was blown away by some of the stories and uh, I compliment you for that. And I hope I can you know, do a, as good a job as some of them do. They've set the bar pretty high. So I wasn't looking for a career in financial services. I basically stumbled into it. You know, I graduated from Ohio State in chemical engineering and with a petroleum option. And uh, I was recruited by Amico Production Company uh, down in Lake Charles, Louisiana. So uh, that was kind of an interesting thing because they were recruiting a lot of people from the Midwest and, uh, and they came up there. And actually I got recruited by a guy that graduated the year earlier. So it was fun uh, being knowing a lot of the people that I was joining right off the bat. But it was kind of interesting, you know, petroleum engineering, they throw you out in the oil field I mean, it's crazy. You just got a long, long hours. And that was boom times. And at that point, when I joined, I mean, oil was $100 a barrel and the oil field was just booming. They were hiring a lot of people. People are, you know, moving out, taking different jobs. And uh, when we weren't working, I mean, the service companies were just awesome about having happy hours. And I got introduced to crawfish boils. And so it was really, really a lot of fun time with a lot of young engineers uh, in the program. That changed a few years later in the mid 80s. Uh, price of oil plummeted from about $100 down to 20. And unlike the financial industry, which I kind of believe is recession proof, oil industry is very dependent on the price of oil. And of course, government regulations is real big in oil as it is financial. But when the price took a beating and the government came in and wouldn't allow us to have new oil leases, uh, it changed everything. Drilling like went to a standstill. So anyway, uh, that kind of set it up that I wasn't uh, working as hard as I had in the first couple of years. It also uh, kind of led me into uh, how I got into financial services. So I was able to work out. I always like to exercise when I'm not working. And I used to work out with a, another engineer in the oil business, a guy by the name of Leland. He went by Pete. And uh, we worked out at a local health club. And anyway, we, you know, I got to know him over a series of months. And all of a sudden, he comes to me one day and says, starts stammering and stammering about him getting an insurance and investment license. And I'm like, what? And my first thought was, this guy's worried about losing his job with this downturn. Either that or they're not paying very well. <laughs> Anyhow, but he persisted and he started talking about to me about how excited he was about the industry. And he said some things that appealed to me, you know, going in business to, for yourself, controlling your own destiny, setting your own hours, being your own boss, where you can make unlimited income. And anyway, he said you wouldn't maybe have to worry about the price of oil or 
or the company deciding when you got promoted, you could get promoted yourself. And then he said the hook, and you would be great at this business. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I, uh, you know, he wasn't polished in his approach. He kind of, he was kind of mumbling and all that, but he did appeal to me and he brought the entrepreneur out in me. And uh, I've always had the business bug, even at a young age. I mean, when I was a kid, uh, growing up in the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, I mean, a neighbor and I used to pick up cans and bottles. And back in those days, you used to get uh, money for recycling. You pick up bottles and cans along the side of the road and got two or three cents a piece. And we did that. And then uh, my brother and I started a paper route, uh, built those. We had, by the time we finished, we had like, oh gosh, three routes. We were making really good money. We built up the territory. And I learned a lot about those days about dealing with people, overcoming objections. I started my own paper for a period of time. I was actually in publishing business, had about 50 customers. And anyway, um, I just had that entrepreneurial bug. Um, one summer, I actually even sold ovenware and glassware to businesses door to door. Now, if you want to find out about yourself, go door to door. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you know that was that it'll cut your teeth. You know, it, it, you uh, find out what you're made of. But it was probably one of the best experiences I ever I ever had that led me into this business. And anyway, back to Pete, uh, my friend. Um, he got to got me to go to a meeting, um, which was a kind of an investment slash recruiting meeting. Um, and I was introduced to some great concepts: the magic of compound interest the rule of 72, bypassing the middleman, mutual funds, understanding that you didn't have to put all your hard-earned dollars in a, with a bank or an insurance company. And uh, as part of that, so my dad and my grandfather had always been big into investing and doing stocks. But when I was a kid, it sounded kind of boring to me. And, and uh, anyway, when I went to this meeting, it was like the light went on. And uh, you know, I've, I've that expression when the student is ready, the teacher appears uh, was happened to me that day. And so the concepts kind of just blew me away and uh, it got me to go down to this meeting. And then I felt like once I saw the potential of the industry, I, I kind of recruited myself. It wasn't him recruiting me anytime. Now, the only little thing that I had to worry about, uh, of course, I was in I've been in sports my whole life. And uh, when the guy got up there and talked about the industry and the amount of money you can make, and I mean, I was kind of like easily motivated because I've been used to being around coaches for so much that it was like, wow, really? And anyway, the, the, the part that I couldn't overcome is I was not going to get into a business where I didn't know anything and give up a very lucrative career as a petroleum engineer. And uh, so they allowed me to get my, all my licenses uh, part-time. And that was huge for me. And uh, the industry, of course, is different today. It's tougher to do that. Uh, but we allow, we still allow people to get, you know, if they want to join our group, I mean, we'll allow a brand new person to get licensed. And we've got three this year that we've done that with. And, you know, we just talked to them about how tough it is and so forth. And we allow them to go part-time. So anyway, I was able to work the business part-time for uh, several years and a couple months, I actually made more money than my part-time job, which was kind of interesting. And then I followed the concepts that we teach everybody, which is uh, I took everything I made uh, part-time and I saved and invested it. And later, 
along with uh, my wife being able to uh, make some money to keep me afloat, I was able to go full-time and make a career change. And that happened in uh, around 1993, I think is when I went full-time in business. So anyhow, that's kind of my story of how I got into it. It demonstrates the incredible flexibility that this industry has and uh, the opportunity. Different things inspire and motivate different people, um, but the flexibility uh, to often chart your own course, build your own path yeah. um, mm -hmm. is, is pretty amazing. Uh, Dan, you said something I want to tap into a little bit more. Um, the financial industry is recession-proof. Tell me about that. What does that mean to you? Well, what that means to me, and it's happened throughout my career, whenever we have an economic downturn or we have layoffs, what happens when we have layoffs? We have tons of people that have rollovers from their other job. They've, they've gotten laid off and uh, they have to do something with that money. So we are able to come back into, you know, into them and help them. We also find out in times of recession proof, I mean, products that we have within the Cambridge system, uh, the guaranteed products, you know, when the variable annuities and fixed annuities actually become more and more prevalent in those recession times. And so people are looking for uh, guarantees that we might be able to offer them, uh, looking for downside protection, protection on their advisory portfolios that we also offer them. So uh, I think that from that reason, I think we're really in, in a recession-proof business. I would agree. Um, and I also find that these times for our business and our financial professionals, it's when a lot of people who may have been reasonably successful on their own, the do-it-yourselfers, um, who have felt like you know they've had a pretty successful, made a su successful effort at putting their own financial future together, but they realize that they, at the very least, need somebody to make sure, um, you know, talk them off the ledge and that they don't do something that could really harm them and their situation. And so we see our financial professionals with the biggest years ever often in tough times. You're right. The second part of that is we find people from other industries that get into the financial industry because they want either a second career or they found that they don't want to be, uh, they want to have that, that stability of creating your own destiny, which we can give them. And, uh, and I find we've got, in fact, in our group, we've got three or four people that kind of joined us uh, because they got laid off or they got downsized or right-sized or whatever you want to call it from their company. So I thought that was, that was kind of neat. Fascinating. So uh, when I read your bio, you had a lot of roles that you play. Um, let's pivot one second to another uh, title, the founder and CEO of Money Edge. Tell me what Money Edge is. How is it being used today? Okay. Well, Money Edge uh, was, a, was a software program I created uh, back in uh, early 2000s and kind of, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Um, I had worked initially with one company, uh, and actually, I'll, I'll take it back just a second, because when I first got in the industry, it was all transaction-based. It was all, you know, we, we went out and, you know, made, we, I was with a company that primarily sold term insurance and, and IRAs, and it was kind of, I was taught, you know, uh, just do this transaction, load them up with insurance and sell an IRA. And I kind of starved to death the first couple of years 
because uh, I didn't really have a path to follow. And then I got introduced to a software program that was called back then the Confidential Financial Needs Analysis. And, um, and I also learned needs-based selling, that's N-E-A-D-S, uh, was one of the programs uh, created by Tom Hopkins, uh, sales trainer. And the combination of learning the software program and also uh, learning how to ask questions in WFA, I always remember that as wait for answer, uh, which most people in this industry, when they first get in, they talk and talk and talk and uh, instead of listening. Of course, we have two ears and one mouth and you should be listening twice as much as you're talking. So when I started learning the, the needs-based selling Instead of doing just a transaction, I was running the software program and finding where all the money was. And then I got good at asking, you know, why didn't you purchase this investment? Uh, why, did, why do you have five different IRAs? Uh, are these investments keeping up with benchmarking? Are you doing anything like that? And so by focusing on their overall needs, I started, uh, you know, setting not just small accounts, but huge, you know, moving the huger amounts of their assets. And so my business took off from there. When I learned those two things, the software program and then the asking the questions through the needs. Um, and your listeners can actually do a search for needs, N-E-A-D-S, Tom Hopkins, if they want to learn more about that. Um, but I tripled my income on a part-time basis when I learned those two things. So I was with one company and I switched because I was with a captive company. And I realized, you know, after a series of years, the training was fantastic but I was limited, you know, by the product line and so forth. And I wanted to go more to an independent role. So I switched companies in 1999. It was a great move for me. I doubled my income. I had access to more products, uh, increased my payout. But guess what? They didn't have financial planning, they didn't have any kind of financial planning tool. So um, I looked at the industry at that time didn't really like what I saw. There was a huge gap between the simple calculator, like to do a college planning or a budget, and then the complicated expensive programs. And there was this huge gap. There was nothing in the middle that kind of combined calculators with, um, you know, that you could kind of bundle together and make just one report. And so a buddy of mine that I worked with and another advisor, we created a spreadsheet and we called it the Personal Financial Review, PFR. And uh, you guys love acronyms at Cambridge, so. <laughs> Our industry loves acronyms, so I'm glad yes. you're following suit, yes. Yes, so we got it approved through compliance and always make sure I'm you know, working through the compliance angle. Uh, it worked well, but it was still kind of cumbersome to use. Um, and then I also discovered my team at the time when I moved over to the new company, a lot of, you know, I built a team. And then they were using all kinds of different programs. And as a supervisor, you know, that's a little compliance nightmare. And I also, it was very hard to bundle it up. If you got one program to do college planning, another plan, one to do retirement planning, another one to do budgeting, another one to do debt elimination. Oh my gosh, it's, it's a mess. So uh, we took, uh, I said, you know, we didn't need to develop this on our own. So I tried at my old company, for about three or four years for the company to help me develop it. And after about the fourth visit to the home office, I just realized they aren't going to do it. So if it's up to me, if it's to be, it's up to me. And uh, I just got permission to do it on my own. 
and uh, from the broker dealer and from the marketing company that we're doing insurance through. And so I established uh, Money Edge and hired two programmers and got after it. And for six months, I did not sleep. <laughs> and they didn't either. But uh, it, I didn't realize, you know, there's been an expression, choose your ruts carefully because you're going to be in them for a long time. And uh, if I knew now what I knew then, how much this little extra job of mine was going to be, I probably wouldn't have done it. Uh, but I am glad I did it. It's a lot of work. Um, and then the, the, the silver lining behind it, all, behind it all is that when our advisors started using that software, they experienced what I experienced. They doubled and tripled their income. So I wasn't making money on the software, but I was making money because people in our group was, were able to you know, capitalize on it, especially those who so we're, we're part of the Dave Ramsey program. Many of our advisors um, have been either are still in it or have been in it. Some of them have outgrown the Dave Ramsey program and decided to let it go because they've, they've built their assets to such great lengths. But that our Money Edge program, we, we didn't know about Dave Ramsey when we developed it, but it works hand in hand with it. So the whole idea of why I developed it is we wanted it simple and we wanted it easy to understand by the reps and by the by the clients. And uh, we have an express version that takes about 10 minutes to fill out. So we also went through a major upgrade. When I moved to Cambridge, we decided we needed an upgrade because it was kind of a, a legacy program. We launched it in 2005. And uh, you would like to know this, we Cambridgeized the whole program. So we put everything that you guys require on the new account form and on the updated click and we put it we you know, got the programmers to do it. So it calculates net investable assets. There's a simple client summary page that includes the experience, you know, the stock experience and their risk profile. So all I do now is I update that and I give and my assistant goes in, prints out that little client summary page, and then she's able to update everything and click. So it works beautifully on that. And we don't, we also use this as a recruiting tool as part of our group, we offer it, uh, but we don't require it just like you guys don't require us to do one product or another. Uh, I have reps in our group that use eMoney, they use Click Advisor. Um, we have some that use Money Guy Pro and Right Capital. Uh, but when, you know, I had been threatening to get out of the software for a while because so many, you know, it takes so much time away from your, your business. Uh, I had a couple of our reps that just, you know, went crazy. Oh, my God. No, you are not giving up that software. I, this is my whole system. You know, Cangelosi, Pelleggi, these guys are like all over. You can't. I'm leaving if you quit, if you dump money in. So anyway, uh, I guess I'm in it for a while. <laughs> you're an entrepreneur. That's what you're describing. The true definition of entrepreneur. And sometimes uh, we find ourselves doing things that, Somebody looking from the outside would say, that's crazy. Why do you keep doing it? But um, there's good reasons, good reasons for it. So um, I love that you're using the Cambridge Dictionary because Cambridgeized is actually a word. So thank you for that. Um, we were extremely fortunate to have you join us back in 2014. But I believe for you and Linda, that was a um, a pivotal time where you really embraced the idea of independence, right? You went on a, a journey of figuring out 
How does what does that mean to your desire to be an entrepreneur? What does it look like? I think you kept our business development transition teams definitely on their toes back then. But talk <laughs> about some of the key factors that went into that decision when you discussed it. Well, it was a tough decision. And of course, I've been just with three companies. This is my last. Um, the first company introduced me to the to the business. And then I did make a, a great move by going to the second company. But I found that it was kind it was it was run uh, with a insurance model uh, behind it. And I always had gravitated to the investment side. And in fact, at our old firm, at one point, we had 10% of the reps and we were doing over 50% of the, you know, uh, the security business. And I had, you know, reached a level of success. Probably everybody, you know, a lot of people would say, wow, why would you ever think about leaving? But uh, one thing after another kind of came in place and just with the inefficient business models, uh, a lot of control issues, uh, mandatory you know, conference calls, meetings. They kept changing the compensation program to fit their narrative. Uh, limited products to help the consumer. I pushed and pushed and pushed to get advisory in the company. And then they poor boy did. You know, we got like one or two third-party managers. And, and instead of having a full platform, they didn't have any clearing firm, no continuity plans. All these things that you guys have, I was pushing at our old company. And after a period of time, you know, I decided, hey, why do you keep banging your head against the wall? Why don't you go somewhere where somebody already has all this stuff? And so it, it was kind of funny the last few years is I would I would get with our team. And of course, everybody, you know, the, the, uh, the mess always flows uphill, you know, and they want, why don't we have this? Why don't we have that? You know, and then I would take it to corporate. And I'd have my list of, you know, 10 or 15 items that we really need this, we need that. And they would look, take this list and look down and say, what's the cheapest and easiest thing we can do to keep Harriman happy for another year? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so that's it. It was kind of the same thing with the software program. So, you know, Yogi Berra once said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. And uh, so I realized I'd come to a fork in the road. I just didn't know which one to take. And uh, so anyway, that began my journey. Uh, Yogi also said, don't make the wrong mistake. And so I said, I'm gonna make a mistake by leaving. I want it to be the right mistake. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's kind of, kind of how I started my journey of going independent right there. And share with us, um, how did you build the team? What does the culture look like today at your firm? Um, what do you... Um, what's the value proposition? Why would a client work with you? Why would a financial professional work with you? In this whole journey, of course, I eventually, being the engineer that I was, I, I actually came to Cambridge, a Cambridge meeting in February 2012, and that was kind of my first company to look at. Um, I had one of my reps, uh, Ron DeVos out in Virginia, he kept feeding me broker dealers to look at, you know, and uh, so Melissa Nordeby called me, and she was very good at you know, at her business, as you know, and she got me to a conference, but it was like the first company. And I was very, and I loved it. I loved the culture. I loved everything you guys stood for, but it was kind of like, oh God, my first company, do I want to go with my first company without looking at anything else? And so uh, over the course of time, it took me about two and a half years. And I eventually developed a 22 point filter and ended up looking at 40 different companies 
not going to visit every one of them. I visited a lot, but I quickly eliminated, you know, banks and insurance company owned broker dealers. Uh, I wanted family oriented, but not family owned. And I wanted a company, a company to be big enough to have all the resources to do what we're, we're doing. And of course, uh, Kyle Selberg and Melissa were nice enough to let me <laughs> kick the tires for that two and a half year period. In fact, every time I came to a conference, Bobby Smith would say, are you joined yet? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I shifted down to three companies, uh, but Cambridge has a retirement market place that I felt that would be good enough. I love the core values. I love the fact that you and the, and the, and the uh, staff mingle with us after the meeting's over. I'm like, that was so our old firm, you, the you know, president would give the speech on the you know, on podium and then he'd be gone. You know, he wouldn't hang around with the worker bees. And so that was great. So I have done what I've basically done with our group is a little microcosm of Cambridge. It's a mini Cambridge. We want, you know, and I love the mantra, you control the journey. That's what we say in our group. So we have people, advisors that run their business, 100% direct business. We have some that are 100% advisory. We have a lot of them, most of them that are hybrid of each. And, uh, and we, our value proposition is you run it the way you want to run it. Um, from the client end, uh, we believe in taking care of clients and we believe in developing clients for life. We do, we teach that. We want all of our reps to be fully licensed if they can, uh, so that they can help a person in any way. So one of the, you know, there's all kinds of different models to do, but I feel like if I run into a client and they want me to manage a a product for them, even if it's not something I've set up, I want to be able to do that for them. So that's why we stress getting fully licensed, you know, with both advisory and commission-based business. And uh, so that's kind of our value proposition is needs-based selling and clients for life. What about internally? What's the culture look like? And talk to us about your team. Who supports you? Well, I love what we've built. I mean, we're not the largest group by far in, you know, in Cambridge, um, but we've got, you know, counting our reps and their admins and all that. We're probably close to 50 to 60 uh, people that represent independent financial professionals. Um, so the unique kind of ways I feel we, so I, my, my thought is recruit less people, but spend more time with them. Uh, that may not fit with a lot of other people, but, um, you know, we do our job of supervision. We do a great job. I have a fantastic uh, designee, Tim O'Brien, that, you know, not just supervises, but also helps train people. We also help people recruit others into their operation uh, as a background, just so it kind of flows up the ladder. We help, and then we get Cambridge to help, you know. Uh, we do a fantastic job of technology. Of course, you've heard about the money edge, but we also do red tail training, risk flies. We have a SharePoint uh, that we post all kinds of stuff in our library that all of our reps can see. And then we have our own website. We also do two conferences every month. We have a second Wednesday, it's kind of my call. And we, we do a lot of recognition. We have you know what, what's happening on events. We do compliance issues. We always have one main topic. And then the fourth Wednesday of every month, is kind of our team. I mean, Lori Crilly, one of our uh, leaders out in Scottsdale, she was kind of hosting that this whole year and she'd have different people talk about subjects. And it's amazing how you learn from other reps. One of the things I learned is I don't know it all and I'm smart enough to know I'm not smart. 
And so I, uh, I know that there's a lot of better talent than me. And one of the things by these other people sharing, uh, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, other things we've done is we've set up team-directed portfolios. So we have a portion of our reps that have decided they don't want to be asset managers. They want to they want to just be pushing to our platform. And that's worked really well. We're way ahead of our goals there. And then our staff and our support here in our headquarters, uh, Connie Ort's been with me 14 years. Tim O'Brien's been here, I think, six or seven now. My assistant, Tracy, is fantastic. And, uh, and any of those people are able to help our other offices. And they know that. Uh, the other thing we're big about is recognition. We, we have a scoreboard and a record board on our website. And it, it leads to some healthy competition. In fact, I had a guy, uh, Cangelosi, Mark Cangelosi in College Station. He's been chasing my AUM. I've been the leader for years and years and years, but I haven't been taking new clients for probably three or four years other than just you know, family members. And he finally caught me. And it's like, and it's that kind of stuff is pretty exciting for us. Uh, we also do group events. We do our, like at Ignite, this will be my 22nd straight awards ceremony. And that's a lot of fun. And part of my, my uh, hot button in the business is watching these other people grow. Not, I mean, we've done well, our family's done well, but it's when you can mentor other people and watch them. And I always tell them, you know, if you, if you get in the business and you fail, it's your fault and you succeed, it's also your fault. But I like to feel like I have some little part of that, their success. I try not to have part in their failure. I try to do whatever I can to help them not fail. But uh, I love the fact that some of these people have just, just done phenomenal things, got completely out of debt, build their own wealth. Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. We also then do leadership retreats, kind of got delayed the last couple of years because of the pandemic. But uh, the other thing is we work hard and we play hard. We go to these conferences that you guys have, and it's it's fun. And that's why I see Cambridge, too. I feel like I know you're a hard worker. I know the rest of the you know, staff over there works like crazy, but they also like to play hard and uh, and also uh, mingle with us. So that's that's a big, big thing in my in my book. Yeah. Well, you know, life is short. I often say that um, to your point, we work hard. We spend a lot of time with the people we work with. And if you don't enjoy them, what a sad life that would be. Um, yep. I really feel like it's important, at least for us. This is what this is what works in our culture for sure. And I love that you're uh, taking some of the um, Schwartz tools out of the, the toolbox and leveraging them in your own organization. But um, having fun is important. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, enjoying each other, making a difference in each other's lives and doing the right thing for all involved. And then the success comes, right? Yeah. And I think the other fact is that many of the people have a lot of great sense of humor. Uh, I know Eric in the first interview I had with him, because I was talking about how I was, they took a uh, roll call during all our, our conference calls. And, and I said, are you going to make me be on a conference call every week? And he just looked at me deadpan and says, no, every day, you got to be on my call. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of stuff I love, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, we've got a great Cambridge family, but part of that is our advisors' families. So let's tell our listeners, I think they believe, to your point, we work hard, we're always working, so on and so forth. But let's talk more about the fun. 
Um, you've got a family. I've met your family. Uh, you've got three sons. Talk to us about your family and what you do in your free time when you're not working. Okay. Well, um, one of the things that we've been fortunate to do in this industry is, in fact, I, I tallied it up a while back. We've been on 27 trips. They used to call them incentive trips. They don't call them that anymore. But, uh, but I try to bring uh, the family on any of those events. And of course, Blaine is my oldest. He graduated from Texas A&M with a business degree. And he's, uh, I told him before he got in our business, uh, he had to go get his nose bloodied a little bit in the corporate world. Went to work for Dell and is doing extremely well. In fact, the second year I had to recharacterize his Roth. And I'm like, dude, you're making that much money? And uh, anyway, uh, but he's in the process of getting his 65 license. Um, he went to the class last month and we're hopefully he'll get it by the end of the year. Um, and so I'm excited about that. He's kind of a little entrepreneur too. He's had several things that he's grown up. He went door to door to win a contest one time. So that was a, a big, a big plus in my mind. Dylan, my middle son graduated from Texas state and he's got a degree in wildlife biology and he got the outdoors gene. Um, he posts stuff on Facebook all the time. We never know where he's going to be. In fact, he'll, he'll go, you know, hiking up in the mountains. He lives in Colorado and has done several research projects in Reno and Colorado and Utah. And he'll post something. He'll be asleep at the top of a mountain somewhere. I mean, he's just crazy. He and I went, did several wilderness backpacking trips and, and that's a lot of fun getting away from it all. It's very refreshing. I find, uh, put that pack on your bag, hike up a mountain and then just stay up there in nature for a while, get away from it all. Um, and then Jason, my youngest son's a sophomore at Texas Tech. He's also pursuing a degree in business um, and who knows where, where that'll lead, but all three boys have worked with me in some capacity uh, in the business. And uh, so I like that. So anyway, our big thing I, we like to do is travel and um, we do a lot of uh, you know trips as a family. And uh, so I really like that. Uh, anything outside of work, uh, I just like any, any kind of exercise. I enjoy hiking, biking. So one of the things I built this new office and I put a uh, shower in it so I could ride my bike to the office. So I do that about three times a week, weather permitting. And, and just, uh, it's about my short routes, five and a three quarter mile and my long routes about eight miles. And it's a great little relaxation thing. We also boat, we've owned three boats, maybe maybe another one in the future. And we're of course in Austin, near Austin where we got all kinds of lakes around here. So boating we like, love going to sporting events, just like hanging around with friends and family. And I built my home to be entertainment where the back looks out over what they call in Texas, a green belt and uh, with a pool. And we do a lot of entertaining there. And then when I built my office, we have a huge uh, backyard in my office. So we will a lot of times uh, after the market's closed, we'll go out and do happy hour and we got a horseshoe pit, we do cornhole, we do bocce ball, and that's a lot of fun. So that's kind of what we do on our, in our spare time. Fun, fun. I remember actually the first time I spent any amount of time with your boys and I got the sense even back then, we were in Vancouver, um, if you remember, and I could tell that Dylan was the outdoorsy one even back then. Uh, just yeah. as he talked about things, they were, you could see that interest. It's very cool. Yeah. So um, congratulations. I mean, you've got a, you've you. got a great family. You've built a strong business. Uh, hopefully what our listeners are taking away from this is 
your strong desire to mentor and teach in this business, which is important. Yeah. What's the best advice you could give somebody who's looking to think about or transition to our business as you did? Well, I think number one is um, join the business for the right reasons. Uh, I mean, we kind of know you can make a lot of money in the business. Um, and I think that's a byproduct of helping people. Uh, it can't be the only reason you get in the business. It could be one of them, but I really think you gotta, you gotta have as your whole backbone, the, uh, being able to help people. And I look at my own client base in those early days. I mean, I have, I have clients that have been with me 30 plus years that I started $50 a month mutual funds way back in the mid eighties. In fact, one example, I, I, one of my early clients set up a IRA $50 a month husband and wife. He just retired. Now they have over a million dollars in assets. She's going to retire another year, add another million. I mean, that's how you build a business by taking care of people. And uh, you got to have a heart of a teacher. And that's what, you know, Dave Ramsey always talks about having the heart of a teacher. I believe that you got to be able to help people. The other thing is giving back. You got to be able to mentor other people. Um, like I say, the advisors give me the great, greatest joy is watching these people get completely you know, out of debt, transition their business and to huge, huge heights uh, in the business. Um, the other thing I would say is if they're looking to join a firm, uh, join a firm with awesome training. And I'll have to kudo again with Cambridge. Uh, RPM is something I went early on. A lot of our, uh, we encourage all of our reps. Brian Reed's done an awesome job with that program and real practice management coaching, if you will. Um, and I, you know, I think the, the first one is vision four times a year, focus is four times a year. The second one then goes into recharge. And I think that's a great, great program to get around other advisors and learn how to do this business. Uh, I would also say um, having a mentor in the business is a huge plus. We have a mentor program in our, in our group that when a new advisor joins, we assign them to a mentor. And that mentor will help them transition to Cambridge, also help them as a bouncing board. If I got a client situation, what would you do? Uh, I've always learned, you know, if you're gonna go through a minefield, uh, try to go through the footsteps of somebody that went before. <laughs> In other words, uh, don't try to navigate on yourself and get blown up. But if you follow the path of a person ahead of you, you're so much better off. Uh, the other thing I would tell people get in the industry, read books and get sales training. Um, I mean, I have so many books that have influenced me along the way. Um, it's hard. You know, I have a whole list of them. And the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to try new things. Uh, there's a scientific formula called plugging away. <laughs> okay. And stumbling forward. You will get better over time. The more you do the business, you'll get better. You'll know, you'll instinctively know what works and what doesn't work. And, um, and I think that's a, just a key is you got to have a positive mental attitude about getting in it. It's a tough business. We know that. And I tell people it is a tough business, but it's a rewarding business. We're here to help, but you know, you got to be tough too, to be in the business. Um, the other thing I, I said is that you work very, very hard for a period of time. Uh, I've learned that. Uh, I read a book by W. Clement Stone called The Success System that Never Fails. And he says in there, it takes time to succeed and it takes time to fail, 
but it takes less time to succeed than it does to fail. And I learned that I did kind of like 180 day madman cycles where you work like crazy and then you kind of coast a little bit. In this business, if you work like crazy for two to five years, you basically can take the rest of I, this shouldn't, I shouldn't say take the rest of life off. You essentially can monitor from that point forward and you've got a business that's gonna take you for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, great opportunities, um, great advice. I'm so glad you chose us way back. What out of 40? 42 that I actually looked at. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. That's called due diligence. So I'm glad yeah. that we rose to the top of your list. We're so fortunate to have you. What I heard essentially is this business allows you to give back, even though it demands hard work. And don't be afraid to take risks because those risks can pay off amongst right. many, many other tips. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, the other thing I would add about the giving back is we just now transitioned uh, into giving back to the community because I've been working like crazy for all these all these different deals. But uh, my wife has really gotten involved with driving seniors, and we're we're uh, involved in the Round Rock Serving Center now, and uh, we you know starting really to support some worthwhile causes. I I can't say that I do nearly as much as some of your other. Other uh, guests have been on the program, but I think we're going to get there. Um, you know, I just feel like I've been, you know, I've got to transition out of a little bit of what I'm doing to give back to the community. I feel like I'm giving back through what we're doing, but I do, you know, feel like there's there's a whole another level of giving, you know, that I want to give, you know, that I want to do. Every little contribution helps, my friend. So thanks again for joining my show. It was great to have you. I enjoyed learning new facts about you and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you very much, Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. If you like what you've heard, please give us a review and head on over to our blog for more content at CambridgeStronger.com. That's CambridgeStronger.com.